Well, good morning, church. I am so sad that I can't be with you this morning. We were gone in Kansas last week. We came home and got sick earlier this week and discovered that we both, Lisa and I, had COVID. And uh, we were both feeling better, but obviously we can't be with you in person. And we are very sad about that. We are looking forward to next week when we can be with you again. Uh, But I am very excited about this new sermon series. It's just entitled Transformed. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12 and this idea of a transformed life, a new life in Jesus. And before I get into that, I want to share with you just a quick story from last November. It was actually at a memorial for my close high school friend, Doug Gardner. And Doug was this wild guy, but he was this larger in life personality. All of us, we know somebody that has that personality, but that was Doug. Everyone wanted to be friends with Doug. And when I was a freshman in high school, Doug and I became close friends, and and Doug proceeded to get me into lots and lots of trouble. And, and, and throughout high school, Doug was very good at getting in all of us in trouble. Uh, I haven't had not seen Doug since high school. We went our separate ways. And Doug got cancer about a year ago, and and tragically, he passed away in November. And at his memorial, I met his wife, who I'd never met, and and I was talking with her, and she asked me this question. She said, how did you, who were such good friends with Doug, become a pastor? (laughs) And really, it's a really good question. If you knew Doug, you would never imagine that he was friends with anyone that could potentially become a pastor. And at the time, that was not me at all. But that was a good question. It was a pretty deep question that she asked me. How how did you become this? How did you become a pastor? And before I answer that question or or let you know how I responded to her, I'm going to read you Romans 12, just verses 1 and 2. And this is what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In the first 11 chapters of Roman, uh, Paul really lays out a, a doctrine of Christianity, really kind of a theology. And so through the first 11 chapters, he's explaining and exploring things like salvation and faith, uh, grace versus the law, and talking about the difference between Jewish people and Gentiles, which is anyone but a Jew. And so as he goes through this, he finally gets to chapter 12, where he says, therefore I urge you. In other words, Paul gives this this doctrine of Christianity, and then he says, now I urge you to live it out. Because the truth is, and we all know this, there's doctrine, there's theology, there's all these things, but, but unless you live it out, it's nothing but just religion. That by itself is just, well, it's kind of empty. Until it changes who you are, it's just a religion. It's kind of like someone that, that 
says, I, I want to get physically fit and I want to get in shape. And so they, they look up in the internet all the best ways to get in shape and they, they go and they find the best gym and they, they sign up for the gym. And, but they never actually do anything. Nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing's actually going to change in their lives until they actually go to the gym and start working and actually start the diet, not just reading about it. You can become a professional on it. But until you do it, it changes nothing in your life. Uh, that's the same thing with Christianity. You can believe it. You, you, can, you can have all the right theology, but until you put it into practice in your life, it doesn't change anything about who you are. So now in chapter 12, Paul dives into what this religion looks like when it's lived out. Because when you live out this religion, this Christianity, it will transform us. Now back to that question that Doug's wife asked me at his memorial. How does someone like you, that was friends with Doug, become a pastor? Well, it was a pretty big question, really. And it, it kind of made me pause for a second. How do I answer that question right here in this moment? And I simply just said, well, it all began with an experience with Jesus. I, I had an experience with Jesus at 19 years old, and it literally changed the course of my life. It changed who I was. And, and really, when I look back at that moment, I, I don't think I knew what I was doing. I, I, I really didn't. I was sitting in a church service on a Sunday night in Topeka, Kansas, I had been going to church at that church for a couple months and I was interested and, and people loved me and, and I loved what was happening. But in that moment, I knew something needed to change. And I sat there weeping, just crying and saying, Jesus, I just want to be good. I just want to be good. Not really understanding even what that meant. I didn't know what the next steps were. I didn't know how it was going to affect my life. All I knew is that I needed to change. And, and, and when you look at that and you go, man, that moment in time, which I'm not sure exactly, I wasn't sure exactly what was happening. It changed who I was. It changed the course of my life. It changed who I was at the core of me. And now you go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, unfortunately, over the years, a lot of people have looked at that verse, and they see this idea of, of offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, like that we should be suffering uh, or living in, in poverty, or abstaining from anything in life that, that brings pleasure. I mean, it, it was almost like we look at that and go, somehow living for Jesus means being miserable. And that's not at all <laughs> what this means. In fact, well, I think we need to be reminded, the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul tells us we can't earn our salvation and so it doesn't matter how much you suffer, you, you can't earn your salvation or how much pleasure you take away because God gives us grace. 
And so all those mistakes, all those things, he gives us grace. We can't work off our sins through suffering or, or being beaten or, or whatever else because Jesus already paid the price for that. And so Paul tells us that, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, he's offered you this, this grace. And, and so because of that, now offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It doesn't mean beat your bodies or, or be miserable. It, it's more about this holistic view of this is the way we worship. This is the way we should live our lives. God created us to live for him. And when we live this way, it, we don't, it's not necessarily suffering, although we could be. It's more that, man, we're actually living our best life. This is who we were created to be. Because many people, probably many of us included, we compartmentalize our lives. Basically, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, that is our work time, right? And we're focused on work. Then Monday through Friday, then 5 to bedtime, right? That's when we we're with our family. That's when sometimes we do our hobbies. We, we go to practices for the kids. We're, we're doing all kinds of stuff. The weekends, more hobby stuff, right? Yard work, housework, uh, maybe a party or two in the neighborhood, maybe some kids' games. And, and then come Sunday morning, well, then we've got our hour blocked off, right? That's our spiritual time. Uh, that's our time to be with Jesus. And, and, and so we've got our lives compartmentalized, and all of us do it to some extent, right? And, and so that's really what Paul is saying here is, is our lives are not made to be compartmentalized. In fact, when we are followers of Jesus, that takes over every area of our life. It works its way into every compartment, Listen, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You see, when we are followers of Jesus, it actually should change us at our core. And so that everything we do, we begin with this idea that I am a follower of Jesus at work, at home at church, surfing, golfing, whatever it is we're doing. I read this week a story about a guy named John. And John, one of the things he did as a hobby is he would go to estate sales down in the South. And these estate sales would quite often just sell the house and all the furnishings, everything for one lump sum. And let these people come in and they figure it out from there just to get the money and, and get out. And John loved to go to these estate sales and just kind of look around. And, and he goes to this one old, old house. And he's looking around. There's so much junk in the house. And, and he sees this old desk. And he sits down and starts looking, thinking, man, I wish I could just buy this desk. It was this old antique desk. And as he's, he's looking around, he discovers a false drawer, a secret compartment <laughs> underneath of it. He opens it up, and there's a bag in there. You can imagine the excitement as he's pulling this bag out, and he opens it up, and it does not disappoint. It is full of gold coins, 22 gold coins. He pulls them out, and they are Confederate 
gold coins, pure gold from what he can tell. And if these are the real thing, these things are worth millions of dollars. He puts the coins after examining them, points them back in and puts them in there and he begins to think, how could I actually win this bid? He literally has $10,000 to his name and he starts to add up and he just from his experience thinks it's probably going to be somewhere around $100,000 to to get the house and everything, to get this bid. And he thinks I could sell my car, I could sell my house, and he starts to go down the list to figure out, can I actually come up with enough money? Because I could be a millionaire. <laughs> this is actually a true story. And it's a story that Harvard actually does a case study for a class. And in that class, they tell this story and then they ask the students to answer a few questions. The questions are, what are the risks for John? <laughs> what are the rewards for John? And then what would you do? And it's a pretty good question, right? Here you are in this situation. You have something that could literally radically change your life. But to do it, you've got to risk everything, right? Well, this case study sounds a lot like a story that Jesus told. In fact, very similar. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells this story. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This story Jesus tells is exactly like the case study, right? You discover this treasure. Are, are, are you willing to change your whole life to get that treasure? That's what becoming a follower of Jesus looks like. It's a transformed life. And really, the question in Jesus's case study is, are you willing to allow this relationship with Jesus to transform every area of your life? Home, work, hobbies, relationships, even church. Again, Romans 12 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That last part there, this is your true and proper worship. That ties this verse all together here. Because worship, we so often think about what we do here with Aaron. We, we sing and we, we, we hear this beautiful music and, and Aaron and 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 Kylan and everyone, they lead us and it's great. Uh, but really, worship is so much more than singing on Sunday morning. In fact, worship is a lifestyle. Uh, worship is, is who we are. And, and really, that's what Paul is saying here, is we offer our entire lives to Jesus. That's how we worship him. But we we let him transform every area of our lives so that we can worship him. I'm reading this new book. It's an amazing book. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And, and in this book, it talks about the science behind basically creating good habits and getting rid of bad habits. 
It's fascinating how our brains work. But, but really, the, the basis of it all is there's three layers to changing our behavior or changing our habits. And, and those layers are, number one, is the outcome. It's our desired result. It, the second thing is the process to get that desired result. And the third layer is changing your identity. That's the deepest layer. And, and so there's actually two ways to get the results you want. There's, there's two ways to change your habits or change your behavior. One is the outcome-based way. In, in other words, you want to lose weight and you go, okay, well, I, I, that's what I want. I want to lose weight. I want to, I want to reach this goal. And so you figure out a process to get to that outcome. Uh, the problem is when most people do the outcome-based way of changing, when they reach that goal, they see it as that, I've made it to that goal. And quite often that's when they go, whew, now I can eat again, or now I can quit running. And now I can, and so once you've reached the outcome, it's over. The other way to change your behavior is identity-based. So basically that means you start at level three and you change your identity and then you work towards the process and the outcome. And when you do that, when you reach the outcome, you are a different person because you've changed your identity. You see yourself as, oh, I am this person that is thin. I'm a fit person or I am a follower of Christ. So often we hear this idea that, oh, I'm, I'm a new creature. I have this new identity. When you are a Christ follower, you get a new identity. When I look back at my experience with Jesus when I was 19 years old, what I didn't realize in that moment is I began to see myself as a new person. You see, Jesus changed me. The Spirit of God changed who I was. Uh, that's why for over 30 years now, I have been that person, uh, not the person I was. When, when Doug's wife said, how do you become this? It's because I was transformed by Jesus at 19 years old. You see, so often we go, oh man, I want to be a good person. I, I, I want to do the right things, but until the Spirit of God changes who we are on the inside, when we have that experience with Jesus, we have that new identity. That's where it all begins. You see, the truth is Jesus wants to transform us because he wants us to be new creatures I want to read this to you one more time. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your lives, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In just a moment, Aaron's going to come and he's going to close out this worship service with a song. And as that is happening, I want you to reflect on this experience with Jesus. Have you had an experience with Jesus? Has he transformed who you are? Maybe it's been a while, or maybe it's been recent, or maybe it's never happened. 
But I just want you to take some time and reflect on that and think about that. And I want to encourage you. Kind of like those case studies. Are you willing? Are you willing to let him in to transform every area, area of your life? Are you willing to have that experience with Jesus? Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Romans 12. And my prayer this morning, Lord, is that each and every one of us would be transformed. Lord, I pray that our lives would be a living sacrifice to you, that it be holy and pleasing. And we pray this in your name. Amen.